Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Zan, this episode, I think, got the ETB curse because this episode, episode 57, is going to be unlike anything that we had expected. Well, I mean, episode 56 didn't even have time to breathe last week before a breaking news thing had to happen. And, well, let's put it this way. UFC 294, for those who were looking for at the start of the show, we apologize. It's now going to have to be the end of the show. Yeah, for those of you who have listened to our format for a while, you know that Tom and I like to start major UFC pay-per-view weeks with doing exactly that, previewing the pay-per-view. But there's this thing, Tom, called influencer boxing or misfits boxing that unfortunately is taking over all of the combat sports headlines. So, And honestly, Zan, honestly... That, that was even the most recent thing because in between, so we did a sh- live stream when the UFC 294 lost its main event. And then ap- immediately after that, as soon as we got off the air, it lost its co-main event. And then the day after, the UFC USANA exploded. <laughs> yeah. It was just one breaking news thing after another, not just in the UFC, but of course in the world of boxing with the buildup to the Dylan Dennis. Logan Paul fight, which turned into a train wreck of sorts, and that's a, that's a wider way to describe it. But before I get into all that and more, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to share uh, the MMA Outsiders everywhere across social media at MMA Outsiders ETV and at ETV Network. For those of you who know us by now or don't know us by now, we don't really care. My, my, name, my name is Dan Bando. You can find my work over at BJPen.com, and now I am the newest Sunday morning news writer for MMA Knockout, a part of Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. And you can also catch me as part of the Bellator Rankings panel. And then, of course, to my left is Tom Albano. He is a contributor at Fansided MMA, and he's also doing excellent work for the PFL website and so much more in the MMA space. You can follow me at Zambando99, and you can follow Tom at Thomas J. Albano as you see our handles right down below our names on your screen. And just as a reminder, if you are not watching us, be sure to take the MMA Outsiders on the road with you wherever you get your podcasts and vice versa with the YouTube feed as well. We really, really appreciate it as we are slowly but surely trying to grow the network as a whole. But back to what I was saying, um, our, our, our original plan um, went to shreds about middle of the week last week after we did the live stream. And this is where we are. We are leading the show. I never thought I would say this, but we are leading the show with Misfits Boxing on DAZN to start it off. So, oh, Tom, the fight that mm-hmm. I, I guess the social media influencer world had been waiting for took place this past Saturday in Manchester. Dylan Dennis versus Logan Paul in one of the most pathetic freak showish displays that we you've ever seen. You didn't pay for it. I didn't pay for it. He both watched it thanks to this thing called the internet, and unfortunately, um, it did no, not go... Zan, 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 you watched it that way. I didn't even watch it. I watched the highlights afterwards. You, you, and you, the even, highlights... you didn't even watch it. 
Yeah. And the I didn't, highlights. I didn't, realize, I didn't realize you didn't even. I didn't even realize you didn't even watch it. No, I didn't even watch it. Zan, when I say the word highlights, I think that's a. I think that's a word that is a bit of an overestimation because what highlights were there really in this fight, Zan? Dylan Dennis threw what seventy two punches over the course of like six rounds, seven rounds or so. Yep, seventy two punches, and most most of them were the limpiest punches you've ever seen. So, <laughs> like it's like I mean the way Dylan Dennis fought, it was almost like you ever see one of those like on TVs where it's the typical nerd kind of fight. You're just. Nah! Yeah, absolutely. And um I mean, I guess uh Jimmy Smith said it best yesterday on uh, unlocking the cage in Sirius XM. Um and and he put and he put it straight. He goes, "Dylan Dennis did not look like he A was prepared to be in there or B deserved to be in there." And he he actually made a pretty interesting point and uh I'm going to um, would say this too for the people who think that this is a disgrace to boxing, and you can have your opinions about that and whatever. But when I hear the news that this pay per view alone got 1.2 million pay per view buys, there, there's there's very little question as to is there is there an audience for it. I think the answer is yes, and that audience. No. Are- Sorry, Santa, interrupt. Okay. But then we have to clarify. There is dispute to that 1.2 million. Damon Morton and a f- couple of others are questioning Happy Punch's credibility on that report. That's fair, and you have to give credit to Damon Martin. He's one of the he's one of the best in the business, and I'm not just taking that at face value. I'm using that as an important point that if that that if that is what is coming out. I think it. I think it should lead to the question of whether or not, you know, are you know, are people just you know, are are people just throwing out those numbers to to mock it, or is there actually an audience for it? Because to me, I think there is an audience for it. Is enough to sustain itself over the next several months and years? I would say no. I think this is just simply a a a, a one off or a two off or whatever you want to call it, because. These two guys are social media mavens, and if it was any other, uh, you know, if, if it was anybody other than five or six uh, fighters in that influencer boxing space, I think we would be having a very different discussion than what we are mm-hmm. uh, this morning. And, 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 and let's be uh, honest about this. I mean, you know, Jake Paul definitely has shown that there is some form of audience with this influencer boxing misfits boxing freak show whatever you want to call it but there is also the idea you're talking about a one-off or two-off i mean i think sand that you know originally jake paul's fights when they were purchases they got into the millions and his last few have been what 300,000, 400,000, 500,000 kind of range, which is nothing to laugh at or mock, but some people just aren't held over continuously. Yeah, there's that. And then uh, the the one part that you didn't mention, which I gladly will, is think about the network that Jake Paul was fighting on. It's a network that you and I have criticized over the last 
six to eight months at their lack of proper promotion. And trust me, if he was on anything other than disowned, I think he would be a bigger star than what he currently he is just because disowned gets in gets in its own way. Ever well, let's also well also remember ESPN. This was you know again last you know where in the last day or two, all of a sudden it becomes oh now it's a disowned on ESPN plus you know a disowned on ESPN plus pay per view. So that way, if, if you have ESPN plus, you can watch the pay per view too. So it's like it's kind of like what's the point? Because ESPN plus and disowned are supposed to be rivals. You know, when it's something like Alexander Usyk versus Tyson Fury, yeah, I understand it. If you remember, Zan, back in the day, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, 2015, HBO and Showtime both came together for that. There have been a couple of occasions where HBO and Showtime have put their rivalry aside to give uh, to give boxing fans options for purchasing pay-per-views. But in the case of... Uh, ESPN Plus into Zone here, where it's for almost everything at this point, including a Logan Paul Dylan Dennis freak show fight with which wasn't even the which wasn't even the main event. It's the co-main event to KSI and Tommy Fury. Zan, at this point, to me, that's the zone tipping its cap to in in the words of uh, baseball legend Pedro Martinez, tipping its cap to ESPN Plus and calling it its daddy. Yeah, and uh, for a network that was promoted and built on as being a replacement for pay-per-view, DAZN has been anything but that for the last two and a half years. And uh, to to me, and I'm sure you'd concur with this, it's absolutely disgraceful. I'm but- and and like I told you in the uh, like I told you in our text messages, and I now get to announce it here. I am done. You know, we talked about the cost the high call review we talked about of these streaming platforms we actually put the clip out from last week's episode uh, about a day or two ago uh, about espn plus and how it's officially going to move up to 109 dollars and 99 cents a year the day before ufc 295 and i said and i and i've said here sam that some changes were going to have to be made and some sacrifices well We've had our first casualty on my end, and that's the zone. I'm done. I unfortunately because of their and and I and I saw somebody Zan on social media also say they were done and basically say, you know, the the zone with the whole 30 days noticing and now it's like it's on your bill till April or something, which is laughable in itself. But you know what? Anything to just get them out of my head because for for the price that per month and per year that they are paying like it's more expensive than ESPN plus and they're just not delivering the content. Yeah. And I guess I can announce it here too. I've been a canceled. Um, I I've been a, I've been a disowned non-subscriber since the middle of the summer. So uh, um, I already, because I, what's the point at this point? The, there is none. The, there is none. I, I actually think you could get a better value with a DAZN international subscription and you can with a DAZN um, USA subscription, which is disappointing in itself. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing, like with the international subscription, like, you know, I don't follow some of the leagues and sports that they have. And in the case of something like the NFL, like we don't have that here, like the NFL for us, 
We have our local TV stations. We have right. Red Zone. We have Sunday tickets. So it's like the zone is almost like this, you know, as you said, it was this once promising thing that it was going to be the replacement of pay-per-view. And you know what? Yeah, it still has matchroom boxing and all of that, but it's at a point now where it's just too frustrating. It's not, like I said before, it's not worth its price tag, especially when you consider ESPN Plus, even after this, even after this upcoming increase is the same price, if not cheaper. Peacock is cheaper. Uh, UFC Fight Pass is cheaper. UFC Fight Pass is much cheaper. And when you look at UFC Fight Pass in other countries, they're sometimes getting every UFC event for a bargain, whereas people in the United States are paying five, six times more for for Fight Pass and ESPN Plus just to watch the UFC, where in other countries you you only need one. So I'm curious, Sam, what you think about, by the way, before I forget... I don't know if you saw Chris Cyborg on social media basically saying that the zone was going to give uh, Bellator something like millions of dollars before the COVID pandemic hit. And basically the whole COVID pandemic screwed up the Bellator to zone deal and kind of by stretch screwed up the zone, if not both companies. I did not see her say this. But knowing um, her truthfulness and her credibility, um, what Chris Cyborg is saying is more than likely 100% true. And I think if the deal did happen and if the COVID pandemic had never occurred, um, you could very well be looking at a position where um, where DAZN is the one hosting Bellator um, as its main uh, reason why you should purchase the streaming service. That's what I That's what I think. What do you what do mm-hmm. you think? I yeah, honestly, I'm wondering, you know, as I'm saying that, as I was saying that, I'm wondering, you know, what kind of alternate dimension is there out there where, you know, the COVID pandemic doesn't happen? And then, you know, what to make of what would have happened in 2020 in MMA, whether it have been, you know, the zone having a better standing in the uh, streaming service of combat sports. Bellator still being on the zone, maybe just maybe Khabib and uh, Tony would have had actually had happened, but so I kind of I kind of understand it. I yeah. kind of I kind of see what Cyborg is saying, and I think also you're going to see the zone stay in business for at least a little while longer because if you think about it, uh, they have the Devin Haney fight coming up. They still have a huge relationship with Canelo Alvarez. They're obviously gonna they're gonna do another uh, massive fight, which we're gonna um, kind of hint at here in a little bit. And not to mention, Tom, I'm not sure if you know this, but DAZN is the rights holder for the UFC in Italy and Germany. So oh, if so, if DAZN goes away, those those two countries don't have a home for the UFC, and the UFC would have to look for a new TV deal. So, and honestly, I I think Xanthem better i mean more realistic kind of option would be i think something that we talked about very recently if they just pull out of the u.s and it becomes an international only streaming platform yeah i think that's where they're slowly headed because because, more- I, because I, I all respect to canelo all respect to Devin handy and anthony joshua but i feel just as a customer i don't think that's enough to really keep me around 
Right, but let's say they had the entire heavyweight division that Top Rank has right now. Would that still keep you afloat of using it? Let's, let's perhaps. Say, okay, I think I think I think I think part of it is also, you know, you are the most like I mentioned, you are the most expensive, but producing the least amount of content. If you dropped your price tag here in America, I think, yeah, I think you would get more. Yeah, I agree. And I just don't think they put on enough big fights to justify keeping the service. They they don't. Especially especially if you do what you did this past weekend and what you've done for a few weekends, fight weekends now, and you do the whole zone on ESPN Plus then. Yeah, because you're basically getting the zone broadcast on ESPN Plus, which defeats the purpose of even buying it through zone to begin with. And not to mention, Tom, boxing is still a sport where you can buy the fights through your TV, um, no streaming subscription needed. So that's true too. You could have realistically bought this fight this past weekend on your TV with no issues at all. Absolutely. I I don't know why you would have wanted to. And you know what? Uh, For those of you who paid for that fight, well, uh, here's, here's what you ended up paying for. Yeah. So, that's what they ended up paying for well tom we're two weeks away from halloween so i guess it's officially spooky season right because that, that that's exactly what this event was it was spooky now it was it was a clown show for, for sure it was an absolute clown show like i said what, 18 for 72 in his punches, Dennis, and it wasn't even much. It barely felt like he threw any punches at all in that fight. And then he goes and throws up a guillotine to cause the whole disqualification, which some people actually on social media called was going to happen. Yeah, and also I saw some sports books um, have a prop where you could bet whether or not Dylan Dennis was going to attempt a guillotine during the fight. Well, it did, and it got him disqualified. Now, I'm wondering here, Zan, I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking about it, you know, because Nate Diaz also tried uh, some, you know, Nate Diaz also tried MMA stuff during his fight with uh, Jake Paul. What do you feel like is, you know, is it kind of hypocritical for fans to laugh and, you know, cheer Nate Diaz for the stuff he pulled during the Jake Paul fight, but criticize? Dylan Dennis for what happened here, or do you think they're justified for reason? No, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's be honest here. Nate Diaz actually fights. When's the, when's the last you. time? When's the last time Dylan Dennis fought? Three and a half years ago. Okay, yeah. thank you. Twenty nineteen, June of twenty nineteen. It was the Madison Square Garden twenty nineteen card for Bellator. Which, by the way, the poster currently hangs above my computer. Or in my room, the exact car that he fought on. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, Jake Paul, I, I mean, Nate Diaz and Xander's IP have taken, I even think Jake Paul has gained credibility enough that stuff like that they can get away with. Nick Diaz, the crap he pulled against Anderson Silva in that 2015 comeback fight of Silva's, he can get away with. 
what credibility does Dylan Dennis have in this sport, in any combat sport at this point? Well, I shouldn't say any. He is a jujitsu guy, but in boxing, in MMA, and the answer is nothing. Correct. There's, there's no credibility. It was absolutely pathetic. It was one of the worst. Zan, I'll be honest, before we even get to the Fury KSI, I'm glad I didn't purchase this because I think this is up there for probably worst card of 2023 in combat sports. Well, that's an understatement. Would you say with how long you've been watching combat sports, it's one of the worst events that's taken place in your lifetime? Probably, because you had that one freak show title fight. I think it was, what's his name? Salt Poppy's fight, which everyone seemed to like. And that apparently seemed to be the only positive fight on this car. Well, I mean, this was as bad as when uh, as when Bob Meyerowitz tried to get back into the promotional business and start Yama pit fighting. Do you, do, do you remember Yama that? pit fighting. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've just had our first Yama pit fighting reference on the MMA Outsiders. <laughs> I mean, that's literally the levels to what this past weekend got to. Am I right? Am I right or am I wrong? The, 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 the areola-shaped uh, fight pit. <laughs> Trying to bring back old UFC veterans from the 90s. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, hey, referees are, you know, the referees are not going to take this ground. They're going to force them to stand up. And meanwhile, the card. Meanwhile, the card. The referees are just letting him fight on the ground to the point where the commentators go, "Well, oh, this referee being very patient." Yeah, and you knew, and you knew it was an event from the past because Bruce Beck was doing the play-by-play. Bruce Beck, yes, that was Bruce Beck. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, but there, there you go. I mean, that's literally to the Anyways. level. That, that's literally to the levels of how bad, um, of how bad the antith- antithesis of, of this event got. And as you alluded to previously, um, th- th- this wasn't even the main event. <laughs> so I, I no, guess here's my, I guess I was just gonna say, you know, with with Logan Paul winning by disqualification, um, do, do Logan Paul's prospects become bigger? To potentially what his next fight could be, or do you not even want to think about that? I don't know if I want to think about that because I want to get this crap out of my head first. But here's the thing, Sam. You mentioned uh you mentioned somebody having a really good uh take, uh Jimmy Smith on the his Sirius XM show. I think a better take, Sam, came from Aaron Bronsetter of TSN, and that was that Dylan Danis got this fight, not because he's a good fighter, because he was a troll. And he trolled, and he trolled, and he trolled, and everybody who purchased this pay-per-view, y'all fell for it. He trolled even us. Yeah, he trolled us at one point, made fun of our comments. But uh, yeah, congratulations, Dylan. You got what you want. You earned your money. Congratulations. You got you, you, know, you didn't even have to really lift your gloves, and all you had to do was just not throw anything, jump a guillotine, cause a whole stir... Post photos of Logan Paul's girlfriend, and you made a whole bunch of money. Congratulations. Now do us all a favor and leave combat sports forever. Yeah, obviously, except jujitsu sports, but but yes, we vow and we think it is best for you to leave combat sports forever. Uh, yeah, except you're right, except jujitsu. But uh, boxing, this whole, even the misfits fighting MMA, you know, at this point. 
at this point, his credibility is nothing, and I think it's probably worse than nothing at this point. Yeah, it's not it's not great uh, <laughs> whatsoever. Um, you want to? He, he's like the antithesis of the MMA fighter that you know is twenty four and sixty eight. has been <laughs> it has been fighting are, for what? Are you referring to Jay Ellis? Yes, I am. <laughs> Uh yeah, no, this was this was quite the pathetic showing. Uh all right, let's Zan jump over to that main event, which I think was also one of the worst fights. Back-to-back fights in one of the both two of the worst fights ever of 2023. Tommy Fury and KSI and Tommy Fury. I mean, Zan, listen. You know, I think I thought this was a fight that neither man should have had his hand raised. It was that pathetic. But in the case of Tommy Fury, you know, am I happy Tommy Fury got the win? Maybe because I'm a boxing fan, you know, what if your style? Yes, but when your own brother, when the WBC heavyweight champion is saying, you fought like crap, you fought like crap. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, I guess... Uh... I guess the more and more people talk about this decision, the more and more that people will somehow, some way hype up a rematch that no one asked for, but is probably going to happen again, just because that's the way this circus rolls sometimes. And uh, I don't know. I, I, re- I really don't know what to say other than it left me with a weird taste in my mouth after seeing that. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Zan. Did you say circus? Just, yeah, I That's two references to circus music, and this isn't even Football Friday. This isn't Broncos Country, Let's Ride. No, it isn't, although uh, that reference might end up being used on the next edition of Football Friday, but stay tuned for that later in the week. Mm, Yes. Uh, But this fight, yeah, no, this whole event was a circus. This fight was a circus. You know, it's like I can't even... You know, as much as I'm a to- I was a Tommy Fury supporter here, I can't even argue with anybody who supports the KSI winning this fight. It's like, it's like Tommy Fury did not even do enough to really make me argue anything, just because that the fight was that terrible. <laughs> yeah, it really was. And as and for those of you who have watched the show for a while. We don't like to we don't like to crap on fights as often as we do, but these are these are just these are just two fights where we simply could not hold ourselves back. If you guys have seen either of these fights, congratulations, God bless you. You you missed absolutely nothing. And for those of you who did see them. This is the kind, these are the kind of fights that are going to lead to us, you know, seeing celebrity boxing back on Fox or whatever it is. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, and then yeah. not to mention, this, this isn't even on the screen, but not to mention the, the, the chaotic freak show tag team fights with Alex Wasabi. What was that? <laughs> is this, is this a boxing card or is this fight circus? That was my thought. <laughs> Literally. Wait, so on, on one show, Sam, we've made reference to Yama Pit fighting and Fight Circus. Fight Circus? 
unbelievable. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I don't feel like talking about this pay-per-view anymore. Uh, no, I, no, no, I, I don't either. Zan, I, I know we only really do the grades for the UFC pay-per-views, but I think double F minus is appropriate for this one. No, I'd be I'd be as mean as to give this an F plus. This is this is this is F minus would be worse. Well, no, the reason why I'm giving it an F plus is because the most entertaining part of the deal of the Dylan Dennis Logan Paul fight was the post it brawl at the end. So that actually, that actually increases my grade just a little bit. You know what? Fine, I'll just give it a single F minus instead of a double. <laughs> okay, fair. All right. I'm done talking about this pay-per-view. I'm done. I hope I never have to talk about Dylan Dennis on this show again. Oh, by the way, the fact that Conor McGregor, I get it. They're teammates. But the fact that Conor McGregor is coming out and supporting all the crap that he did, it's like it's like there is a reason that some people just can't stand Conor McGregor. And the fact that he supports Dylan Dennis is like this. And Zan... Maybe this is a really this is a stretch and a bit of a hot take, but I think seeing him support Dylan Dennis and all of this and his actions and everything just verifies my point further that if he does not fight by UFC 300, or if he fights at UFC 300 and embarrasses himself again and loses to Chandler, he needs to go away too. Um, I disagree with you for one reason and one reason only. That is because Conor McGregor is the biggest star that the sport has ever seen. Well, we'll talk about that because I think our point of Conor McGregor being bigger than the UFC also came up, uh, came up this past week. 100%. But before, <laughs> but before we move into that, we do have a bit of breaking news. It was announced earlier on Monday morning that Jake Paul would be returning to the boxing ring per a press release from his fine folks over at Most Valuable Promotions on December 15th at a location to be announced and against an unnamed opponent. Tom, I got this in my inbox yesterday morning as well as several other media members. Um, When I first told you about this, what was your initial reaction? And uh, by the way, uh, no offense to anyone who this press release, but there were several grammatical errors that I caught that certainly didn't make it through the copy desk before it was sent to hundreds of people. So I, I, I had to, I had to put that out there as a fellow Northwestern Medill School journalism alumnus. There were several, there, there were several errors in that press release. I wonder if I take, I wonder if I take that press release over to my students. How many, how many of the grammatical errors they'll catch? Because I think some of them could write a press release better than, better than the grammatical errors that came out with that one. Absolutely. So I guess uh, to follow up that, um, uh, rate on your skill one to ten. How excited are you for a Jake Paul return? Who is he going to fight, and where is it going to be? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get over the madness that was Logan Paul fighting that I don't know if I'm ready for another Paul brother fight. Uh, probably put it on a scale of, hmm. I mean, I, like I did say, I give him credibility, although granted, you know, it's not, he's not my cup of tea. So maybe a five, uh, what? Location, I don't know. December 15th. 
I would Vegas really do Jake Paul one night and then UFC the next night? I doubt it. So I'm thinking probably. And I, and I actually don't think Dana will allow that to happen. And that's, know- oh, that is true too because I forgot about the whole uh, legalities of that. So it's probably going to be California, Texas, or New York, probably. Okay, my prediction: it's going to be Jake Paul versus Asim Rahman Jr. And it is going to be at the uh, at the Crypto.com Arena in California. That's where the, I, that's where, I that's buy where, into that prediction. I could buy into that prediction. The Hasim Rahman Jr. fight obviously fell through before, but why not throw it out there? I would have said Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury, but I don't know if after what we saw at the KSI fight that I really want to see Tommy Fury versus Jake Paul too. No, and I think uh, I don't think Nikisa will let that happen either. So true. I, so I, I I completely buy into I completely buy into what you're selling. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I'm about a five. It's not my cup of tea, but you know, I guess just to add to the madness of Jake Paul on the Friday and then UFC on the Saturday. Or could you see a scenario where Jake Paul is back in Ohio again for the first time in two years? Or is that not a possibility? I could see that too, but obviously if they can land California, Texas, or New York, they're going to go there. That's fair. That would make it a busy month and a half for New York. That is true too. I mean, it's already going to be a busy weekend for us right before the holidays. Mm -hmm. With uh, UFC 296. Um, that same weekend, but yeah, Las Vegas certainly is out of the picture. That will not happen, no matter how you consider dice it. There's there's no way Vegas is even being considered. Yeah, so. absolutely not. I I you know I was kind of uh, brain blanking there until you re- said that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. All right, speaking of speaking of Vegas, San, we actually had some good fights this weekend. Yes, we actually had good talent in the ring this weekend. In this case, the cage, Edson Barboza, Sadiq Yusuf. Sadiq Yusuf goes up a solid 2-0 over Edson Barboza. And just as Dustin Poirier did against Dan Hooker back, uh, back in 2020, Edson Barboza pulls off the comeback. Solid kick to the body that stuns Yusuf in round three. And he ends up winning, the, at least in my opinion, the last three rounds. Takes a 48-47. Uh, I know there were some questions about the scorecard for um, for one of the judges, but yeah, unanimous decision win for Edson Barboza. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I was pissed because when he threw that kick in the third round, I'm like, oh my goodness, my tapology prediction is going to be perfect. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> we both said on here third round TKO. Come on, finish him, finish him, and then he didn't, and then he didn't do. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready to call ourselves mystics, but unfortunately, it just just wasn't enough. But okay, so I guess in the first round, when Sadiq Yusuf dropped Edson Barboza, shades of Shane Carwin versus Brock Lesnar back in June of 2010. What was your initial reaction, and did you think that Barboza was done? Because for a second, I thought I thought he for was. a second, for a brief second, I thought so too. I thought Yusuf. 
was going to pull it out in the first round. I was going to be like, what the hell? Because that would have been amazing. Two first, you know, back-to-back weeks of UFC Vegas at the Apex with first-round finishes coming very quickly. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, thanks to Edson Barboza's win, I finished the night six and five overall. How did you? How did you do? I didn't even get a chance to look at my records. Let me see. A rough go on the prelims for me, but once the main card started, I started to get hot. So, well, hold on. Let me find our thing here. All oh, that's our breaking. Okay. So, there we go. Let's see. Ducote, I got. Uh, I had Gutierrez for the fight with Allison Gelly. Uh, Dixon, McKinney, which by the way, Terrence McKinney, highlight of the night, another first round Absolutely. finish. And it was only like 30 something seconds in it. 30 seconds, seven, I mean, 30 something seconds. And it was only his fifth, uh, fifth fastest finish. Only his fifth. He, <laughs> he, he's something else. He's going to be special in two and a half years. If he, if, if he stays in this, tra- I think so too. UFC is going to market him like an absolute rocket ship. That's what, that's what I think. I mean, I think at one point he was marketed pretty heavily and then lost his way a little bit. But I, I get excited whenever Terrence McKinney is going to fight on a card. So Absolutely. actually, Zan, I went undefeated on the prelims. And no then way. I went that's undefeated crazy. on the prelims. Rujo, I went undefeated on the prelims, and then I lost almost every fight on the main card except the main event. No way. Yeah. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, you almost did a perfect card? Don't remind <laughs> me. I wish I had that. UFC 293, you almost did a perfect card. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then my one – hey, but you know what? My one loss ends up being one of the greatest upsets in UFC history, so I'll take that. That's true. So I guess uh, my main takeaway from that fight was that experience trumps everything. Edson Barbosa is still forced to be reckoned with. What would you like to see for him next? As it looks like twenty twenty four could end up being a big year for him. What do you What do you think? I think throw Edson Barbosa in there with somebody in the top ten. I, I I'd like to see a top ten fight still with Edson Barbosa even in twenty four. I I think I think so too. I th- Answer too. He's a longtime UFC veteran and one of the most exciting fighters that uh, that the Brazil market has ever seen. And it's good to see him still just competing at such a high level um, after being in the UFC for almost 15 years, which is crazy to think about. It's <laughs> absolutely crazy. And Zan, I remember they're talking about like you know his knockout of Terry Adam. I'm like, that was that long ago. <laughs> it's crazy, and it's it in is- the. It's in the UFC intro video before pay-per-views for a reason, which is even crazier. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. All right. Zan, let's move over to some news. Before we get to 294, we had another big uh, blow-up this weekend. So I made mention, you know, that as much as, you know, I was pissed by what Connor did, that this week also proved, as we said time and time again, that, you know, as much as Dana White will try not to say it, Conor McGregor is certainly bigger than the UFC. And here's why. So the UFC and USADA both verified the report. Conor McGregor is in back in the USADA pool. He is going to compete in 2024. 
the question here, Zan, is win. And not because of, you know, typical Conor McGregor, which we've been writing on for weeks. It is because the UFC-USADA partnership will be no more effective January 1st. As a result, according to a statement from USADA of the whole saga involving Conor McGregor. USADA then releases a statement, which is pretty damning, which the UFC is threatening legal action, but USADA is standing by it. And now Drug Free Sport International, which um, serves, you know, various different uh, sports leagues throughout the United States, the MLB, the NFL, will be the new UFC anti-doping partner. And they basically will not do, according to them, some of the stuff that we've ragged on about USADA for, you know, doing the random drug test during a weight cut or doing the random drug test at like four in the morning. Or I think to when Demetrius Johnson said, had USADA knocking on his door during a live stream on Twitch. Yeah. That, that's one of the most iconic USADA blenders that we've ever seen. Um, but I guess before we dive deep into this, did you watch the press conference with Campbell and Davinsky? I and saw some, I saw some highlights what I was going to do, Zan, was try to find the statement that USADA made about the UFC, which was pretty damning in itself, and read it out here. Oh, I just got it. Okay. You want, shall I read this on the air? I guess we shall, right? Yes, please read it. Okay. <clears throat> it's a long one. We can confirm that Conor McGregor has re-entered the USADA testing pool as of Sunday, October 8th, 2023. We have been clear and firm with the UFC that there should be no exception given by the UFC for McGregor to fight until he has returned two negative tests and been in the pool for at least six months. The rules also allow USADA to keep someone in the testing pool longer before competing based on their declarations upon entry into the pool and testing results. Unfortunately, we do not currently know whether the UFC will ultimately honor the six-month or longer requirement because... As of January 1st, 2024, USADA will no longer be involved with the UFC anti-doping program. Despite a positive and productive meeting about a contract renewal in May of 2023, the UFC did an about-face and informed USADA on Monday, October 9th, that it was going in a different direction. We are disappointed for UFC athletes who are independent contractors who rely on our independent, gold-standard global program to protect their, their rights to a clean, safe, and fair octagon. The UFC's move imperils the immense progress made within the sport under USADA's leadership. The relationship between USADA and UFC became untenable given the statements made by UFC leaders and others questioning USADA's principal stance that McGregor be not allowed to fight without being in the testing pool for at least six months. One UFC commentator echoed this, recently declaring that USADA should not oversee the UFC program since we held firm to the six-month rule involving McGregor, and since we do not allow fighters without an approved medical basis to use performance-enhancing drugs like experimental unapproved peptides or testosterone for healing or injury simply to get back into the octagon. Fighters' long-term health and safety, in addition to a fair and level playing field, are more important to USADA than short-term profits at the expense of clean athletes. USADA is proud of the work we've done over the past eight years to clean up the UFC, and we will continue to provide our unparalleled service to UFC athletes for the remainder of our current contract, which ends December 31st, 2023. As always, we will continue to uphold the rights and voices of clean athletes in all sport. Pretty damning, I'd say. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, bold accusations there, one of them being that uh, 
they don't think the UFC is going to follow the six-month requirement for, quite frankly, the biggest starter that they've ever had. That's a pretty that's a pretty bold statement. I, I and to that take, Sam, just to give our analysis, so we can go a little, you know, piece by piece and give our takes and what Dana said, because Dana ultimately said, as you wrote for MMA Knockouts, that basically he went that he said that Usada and CEO went full Britney Spears, which. Is pretty crazy, which really, which which makes me wish that someone released the leak of their conference call because I I want to I want to hear I want to hear that that's for that's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if it's uh if so he's saying that I believe I think it's Tiger the CEO. Yeah, Tiger. So D- Dana is saying that Tiger, you know, broke uh broke um car door windows and ended up shaving his head or something like that. No, what he said was, uh, he's like, uh, guys, pay attention. In a few weeks, that guy might be on Instagram playing with playing with knives or something, <laughs> or, or something like that. <laughs> but anyways, my take is, and um, I want to say the UFC will follow through with it, but I, I think if UFC three hundred, Zan were earlier than the dates that we predicted, because we've predicted about April 13th or April 20th. I would say, if it was earlier than that, I would say, yeah, the UFC is not going to follow through on that. However, given that we estimated that that's UFC 300, probably, unless, like we said, Zan, unless they're going to run with McGregor Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, it's all a very good point. I guess... uh... To start off um, by saying this, I don't really say this, and you might agree with me, you might disagree with me. I think the way Hunter Campbell handled that that media scrum was one of the most professional dealings with media that I've seen any person in a position of power in the UFC, not in Dana White, go through with it. What, what, what did you think of the way Hunter Campbell handled that? I think, and, and Sam, I think, honestly... Maybe it's it's cheap to kind of say that because their comparison is Dana White, and we have seen Dana White and some of the crap he's pulled with media. But I think Hunter Campbell and Jeff Nowitzki usually handle the media very well. I remember Jeff Nowitzki when he was announcing John Jones's uh, doping situation, which led him to be removed from UFC 200 on days notice. You know, he handles media. You know, the the, the officials outside of Dana at the UFC to handle the media really well. Absolutely. So I guess um, my, my thoughts on this sort of that, I think, and obviously I don't know, cause I'm not there behind closed doors. And even if I was, I don't think I could say much, but what, what I feel like I can say is this, there must mm-hmm. have been something outside of Conor McGregor's absence that tipped USADA the wrong way to make them say, okay, maybe this isn't going to work. And we obviously don't know what that is. But to hear that the UFC in May and August had already made up their minds that Conor McGregor wasn't fighting in December and this still was going on leads me to believe that there is some underlining issue that's not being reported that that led this to be in the situation that it is. Because... To be quite honest with you, outside of like some of the other stuff that went on with like John Jones and the Picogram incident and some other stuff, I've always thought you saw it to be 
you know, a pretty good authority in making sure that, you know, our every UFC fight that at least I've known about has been Queens. But to hear that they're no longer in business together is a little bit of a bummer because, again, like they said in their statement, they did everything they could to clean up the sport. And to me, I thought they, they did. did. I thought they did that 90% of the time. Yeah, I think they did. You're right. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I know there are people out there that, you know, oh, that means, you know, we could see, you know, all this roided up, you know, fighters. And it's like, you know, yes, there is a fun time for that. But the UFC, again, Sam, about the question of with the UFC, do you want to be mainstream or do you want to be cutting edge? I I mean, um, do you want to be... I guess cutting edge, but my point being, Zan, is that the UFC, this isn't the early 90s. I mean, this isn't the 90s anymore. This isn't the early 2000s anymore. The UFC is a global company which has a lot of influence. And I mean, it's crazy to think about 30 years ago. You know, if, if we went back into time, Zan, 30 years ago, and we told people that what they saw in 1993 because we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of that very first UFC card, that that was basically going to turn into something that would air on Fox and ESPN. It would be in the mainstream and on cable television. People would either be excited, thinking that it was the kind of fighting that we saw, that no-holds-barred kind of fighting, or they would laugh at us out of the building. And look what this sport has become. Now, granted... We said USADA did a lot of crappy stuff with how some of the random testing was. But as we said, they cleaned up the sport. And this, again, is also not to trash on Truck Free Sport International because, you know, they've done their parts in trying to provide, you know, have clean athletes in the sports that we normally see with the MLB and the NFL. But again, Zan, you know, we talked about on the air for a while before the state, months before the statement even came out. That, and part of what this tells me that Dana and company tried for the exemption, the Brock Lesnar style exemption, and USADA was going to hold firm to it. Because we remember the disaster that happened with the Brock Lesnar exemption, that Brock Lesnar ended up popping afterwards. Yeah, and they probably didn't want to go through that same PR nightmare all over again. Which, again, also tells me, you know, Conor McGregor is bigger than the UFC. As much as Dana and that's why sometimes you see Dana act the way he is because he knew he let Conor McGregor get bigger than the UFC and he's not, and he'd be damned if he let anybody be bigger than the UFC machine at this point. Absolutely. So I guess uh, to, to wrap up, to wrap up this segment um, with how, with how massive this news is, um, do you think in any way that this will tarnish um, the UFC's credibility when it comes to making sure that, the fights are as fairly and as evenly matched as possible given the new drug testing protocols. What do you what do you think? I think we have to see. I mean, it's gonna be under USADA through the end of the year. I think we have to see how, you know, what fights are gonna be booked for the start of 2024. Because if Conor McGregor is booked for Super Bowl weekend, then the answer is obviously, you know, USADA has proven its point. But UFC three hundred you know, maybe maybe the UFC is willing to take the hit and let Conor McGregor wait the six months so they can have the big comeback tour. Yeah, well, I don't think Conor is going to be headlining Super Bowl weekend. I think Super Bowl weekend is going to be Sean O'Malley. I could see that. Well, 
Did I not say, Zan, that Sean O'Malley could be an idea that if Conor McGregor continues to Conor McGregor and not fight, that Sean O'Malley could be UFC 300, too? Yeah, yeah. So, that, that, they're, they're, they're going to put, because at this point, Zan, like I said, Sean O'Malley is somebody who's going to not be bigger than the UFC, but be their big star to try and get to the Conor McGregor level. So they're obviously going to book a big fight for him, a big weekend. So whichever one of those two kind of makes sense, Dan, that whichever one of those two McGregor doesn't fight on, they'll throw Sean O'Malley. And if Sean O'Malley's not headlining Super Bowl weekend, Zan, then that tells me something's going on with McGregor. That's exactly right. Yeah, although um, as someone who's as someone who wants to see UFC 300 be the best card that it can, I am holding out hope that Conor Conor I'm holding out hope that Conor McGregor is the headliner for UFC 300 just because I feel we were robbed of that opportunity at UFC 200, and then of course at UFC 100 it had that massive fight feel with Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir too. So. To make UFC 300 what it should be, Conor McGregor should be the main event on that card, in my opinion. Fair enough. All right, Zan. I hate that we had to wait to the end of the episode to do it, but let's talk about UFC 294. Some changes to the card for those of you who are under the rock. We talked about this last week. Like I said, our last episode didn't even have time to breathe before this came out. Uh, Charles Oliveira out, suffering the eyebrow cut. Alex Wolkanovsky in. I'm just going to repeat, San, what I said on the uh, breaking news stream last week. You know, I think this is massive. I think it's a blow, but the UFC was able to, you know, make up for it. I just don't know. For the sake of Islam, for the sake of Volk, and for the sake of the UFC and their, you know, marketing and promotions team. You know, a champ versus champ fight, let alone a champ versus champ rematch, which some feel that Volkanovski as the challenger should have had his hand raised in February. Less than two weeks' time to get ready and promote that kind of fight. I think I think they're doing a little bit of a disservice to themselves. Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a disservice, but I guess to counter you, uh, this is the hand that they were dealt. They felt that Volkanovsky would be the biggest fight uh to, to, to save the event and give it Islam Makachev a worthy challenger. And uh, as you know, of course, given that it is an Abu Dhabi card and that they need, you know, Islam Makhachev to be to be the headliner. Let's say the the Abu Dhabi uh, government pressure to get a big fight for right. Islam. Right. One hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, and I guess, Matus Gamrot just doesn't fit that caliber. Well, I mean, Matus Gamrot is still in the picture. He's just the backup to the backup in case anything happens between these two. So. He's still in the picture, but at the at the same time, he's really not. And if I'm Mateus Gamrod, I'm not happy with how the situation's materialized. So right, because you were promised a backup fighter when Oliveira pulled out. It's like okay, contractually, that should mean I am the fighter then who fights for the title. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, now granted, I don't know how well that would have played out having just fought Rafael Fiziev and then being thrown into a fight with somebody like Makachev. I think would have done him, you know, I, I think that's a double-edged sword because I think this gives him more time to prepare for either Islam or, heaven forbid, Volkanovsky wins, although that, that would mean a trilogy. That would mean he'd have to fight again. You know, if Islam retains, this gives Gamrot some more time to get ready for him. Oh, now that I think about it, if Volk wins on Saturday, there's no way you won't see Volk Islam 3 at UFC 300. 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I'm. Oh yeah. I mean, pending injuries, pending potential injuries, but yeah, right. that's a that's a good counter too. Uh-huh. Oh, unless, I mean, um, I was gonna say unless they tried to double book or triple book, but there there's no way they throw Connor and Islam on the same card. No, no, that so, won't that won't happen without absolute madness during the week. That's gonna mess the entire event up. So, so actually, Zan, that's a good call. If Alex Volkanovski wins this fight, then even better for the UFC and backup plans, because then you could have O'Malley and a Volk-Islam rematch on that card. But I would argue that if you do that, O'Malley has to be the main event before um, Islam and, and Volk 3, in my opinion, because he's the bigger star. Ooh. You have to put your bigger star at the top, in my opinion. But but then they can throw the counter that Makashev and Volkanovski are top five pound for pound facing each other. That's true, but the second fight has to live up to that. Otherwise, I don't know. There, there's there's a lot there's there's definitely a lot of questions. But I can yeah. I, I can tell you this: you want to talk about a crazy story? Is if Volk becomes the new UFC eight-weight champion and the double champion? I'm, I'm less than a week's notice. You want to talk about? The biggest story of 2023 in MMA would, without question, be Volk potentially winning this fight on Saturday, without 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 a doubt. Uh, okay, but before we get into the card itself, actually, the other part of the breaking news, which you didn't cover last week, Zan, fact or fiction? Regardless of how this fight plays out, Alex Volkanovski still defends his title against Ilya Tapuria in January in Toronto. It's a fact. I can see it. And I am glad that the UFC is being prepared, supposedly according to Helwani at least, that if something happens to Volk, they'll do Tapuria versus Holloway for an interim title instead in Toronto. It's not going to be as good, but at least the UFC has a plan in place. But, Tom, could you imagine if that fight actually happens and Max Holloway beats Ilya Tapuria and then it brings the UFC into a bind? They, they'd mm-hmm. have a lot. They'd have, they'd have a lot of questions to answer. Do you really? But then, but then, but then, Zan, I'll say you made your bet. That's what I'll say. You made your bet. You made your bet with the whole Sean Strickland, Israel Adesanya thing in Australia instead of giving DDP the time to rest. And now you made your bet again. Yeah, good point. Because because at, at the end of the day, the one who suffers the biggest loss is the UFC. And you're looking at a scenario where. Is DDP is not even for a championship, right? They and uh, so my whole thing is you know short term versus long term. They went with the short term. Now, granted, yeah, maybe they had some outside pressure, but you know, ultimately they still made the decision. And on that note, by the way, Zan, we talk about Israel and DDP. That story, which we're not going to really have time for, but Israel saying you know he's going to be stepping away for a long time, which will lead us into our next story uh, about he's not going to rematch Strickland because he's going to go away for a while. First of all, I kind of, you know, my, uh, when we talked about that fight, Sam Strickland's win, I agreed with Cormier. I said, Izzy is four and three in his last seven after being undefeated. He needs to go away for a while and rest his body. Uh, And number two, you know, like I said, then you blew it. You had UFC Africa. Now this Izzy news just means, 
you blew it. Yeah, for sure. And I guess I think that's the reason why the UFC is going in this direction, which we're about to talk about. So for those of you who don't know, um, the co-main event had a switch up to Apollo Costa, uh, injured his elbow out of the UFC co-main event, will no longer be fighting Hamza Jemayev. Hamza Jemayev remains on the card and is taking on Kamaru Uzman, the former UFC welterweight champion, who's going to be moving up in weight. And the winner of this fight will challenge Sean Strickland for the middleweight title at some point in 2024. And I think this is partially the reason why, because if Israel Adesanya is going to be out for a while, if DDP is still in limbo, the UFC doesn't really have a ton of options, so they're calling an audible, and this is the audible they've come up with. And I think this is worst-case scenario for Kamaru Usman because this is this is a dangerous step up in competition, a dangerous step up in weight. And if you've heard him in interviews over the last several months to hear that you know his his knees aren't doing well and he's starting to fade, is not being you know the same champion that he once was. I literally think this fight's most. I had news for Kamaru Uzma and in his team. And I actually think this could end up being a walk in the park for Jemayev. And don't get me wrong, I love I love Kamaru Uzman, but I actually think the spot where he's at right now, according to the heading odds, is, is exactly correct. And I actually don't think it's disrespectful. It's playing to where both fighters are at at this point in their career. And it's the simple fact Kamsa Jemayev is simply the better middleweight than Kamaru Uzman. Now, as we speak, and I think he's going to show that on Saturday. Well, you say that because Kamaru Usman hasn't even fought at middleweight in the uh, UFC. Now, granted, now, granted, for Usman, this was probably the easiest way to try and get your next title shot rather than having to basically wait for Leon Edwards to lose the title and just fight, you know, guys like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, if I'm DD, now that that being said, if I'm DDP, I'm pretty still pissed about this because, you know, again, the UFC kind of made its bed. They could have given all the time in the world to Izzy and DDP, so that way they could have run UFC Africa at some point in 24. But then they booked Sydney for September, and that caused all that madness. So I'm still peeved if I'm DDP, and, you know, I will... I don't want to be whoever is DDP's next opponent because he will probably come out with some fury. Oh, for sure. And uh, I just think, you know, for anyone who's trying to defend Paulo Costa, he has more pullouts than wins in the last two Yeah, no, and Zen, that's the other thing. You know, you're talking about it's a bad fight for Kamaru Usman, but I think I'm a little peeved if I'm Shemaya because, you know, it's how dare I say something like this, but I'll say it. Paulo Costa was an easy fight. This was an easy setup for Shemaya to get a big finish or get big performance to set him up to face Sean Strickland. And now he's going to have to fight, you know, granted you, what you just mentioned about Usman, now he's going to have to fight the former welterweight champion. And there's no question about it. If Usman can beat Shemaev and figure out the puzzle, it would he be... He needs a title shot then. Well, 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 for sure. And and to add to that, it would be one of the most legendary, it would be one of the most legendary wins of his entire career if he's, if, if he's able to get it done. To beat for the sure. guy... To beat the guy that nobody that, that, that nobody wanted to fight to be to begin with. For sure. All right. Let's, you know, we're talking since you were talking about that stuff, uh, let's go into now our preview and prediction slide. So Islam Magashev, Alexander Volkanovsky, Zan, we saw that last uh fight, the first fight that the two of them had. 
back in February when it was number one versus number two pound for pound in the world. It was an amazing fight. I loved it. It was the kickstart to, you know, an excellent Super Bowl weekend. Uh, and that's and that's why we're hoping for another Super Bowl weekend uh, UFC card. But I digress. I think this one is going to be a fun fight, Zan. I was actually in the minority um, back in February where I scored the fight uh, for Islam Makashev, three rounds to two. And I think, Zan, that I think both... You agreed? No, I'm just saying I remember. I, re I, re I remember. Oh, you remember? Okay, yes. I remember you scoring it that way because I had it the other way for Volk. Right, and I wasn't mad about that because I could have seen it three to two for Volk either, but I thought Islam had done more. Um, so I went with Islam, and you know if that was number one versus number two pound for pound, bringing their best out. You know, Alex Volkanovsky, like I said, a few months after the whole. Thing in July where he said he was going to go under surgery. I mean, granted, he was right. Ends up being a minor surgery for him, but between the surgery, the short notice, the fact that it's Islam Makashev, if he couldn't win, get the nod in February, I don't see him getting the nod in Abu Dhabi on short notice in October. Give me Islam Makashev, you know, using his grappling to, you know, control the action, control the pacing, getting unanimous decision. Um, I am going to respectfully disagree with you, and I am going to say that Volk is going to rewrite it wrong and become the new UFC lightweight champion in Abu Dhabi. I think I think he's gonna I think he's gonna do it. Oh, I like this. I, I like this. I think I think he's gonna do it for for one reason and one reason only. If you watch the new behind the scenes footage that was just released of him walking back to the locker room, absolutely furious and kicking himself. And he thought that he thought he had that one. I think he's going to use his extra motivation. I think he's going to do exactly what he did to Islam the first time. Try to neutralize him. Try to put him in positions that Islam has never been in before. And this time, when when, when the scorecards are red, he's going to be walking away as the new champion. Forty eight forty seven on two of the three judges scorecards. Interesting. So you think so? You think this one does go to distance? You at least agree with me on that? I I, I do. Okay, I can live with that. Uh, Co-main event. Let's talk about it. Uh, you gave your take on it. I assume that means you're going with Chimaev. My question would just be: Do you see Chimaev pulling off an unbelievable finish, or is Usman just too tough? Like you mentioned, going from Paulo Costa Usman, that Chimaev will have to settle for a decision. Yeah, unfortunately, I think Jemaya will have to settle for a decision based on the sole fact that Kamaru Usman knows that he underperformed against Leon Edwards in their trilogy. And I think he's going to give Jemaya everything but the kitchen sink, but he won't, won't be able to put him out. And Jemaya he got a very close decision win in this middleweight title eliminator, which I actually think will have a very heavily debated decision by the time the fight is over. So, yeah, I can, I can totally see that. But, you know, like you mentioned, he has he didn't look his best in that trilogy fight. He hasn't felt his best. You know, he's moving up in weight, such short notice against a beast like Chimaev, who the UFC is heavily pushing. I definitely see Usman giving him a test, and I can see Usman getting a win, but I think all the circumstances are just gonna be too much. I'm gonna agree with you. Chimaev by decision gets the win, gets the crack at Sean Strickland. But I, I I'm I'm gonna make this prediction though. If Hamza Chimaev wins. I think Chmaya beats Strickland. If Usman wins, I think Strickland beats Usman. 
Okay. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the bigger. I'm not going to worry about the long term picture. I'm just going to worry about this fight. I'm going to say Chimaev. We look at the rest of the cards, and here's an interesting one at light heavyweight. It's Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker has kind of revitalized himself. Magomed Ankalaev, this is going to be his first fight since the UFC basically forced him to the sideline after the whole controversy last year with Jan with uh, Jan Blachowicz, which many people, including myself, felt that Ankalaev deserved the nod. Jan Blachowicz thought that Ankalaev deserved the nod. And then they just made Tashara versus Jamal Hall, Jamal Hill for the light heavyweight title the very next month, not giving Ankalaev any sort of second chance. Yeah, I think Ankalaev goes out there guns blazing. I think he's pissed at everyone in the world, the UFC, um, any person walking down the street, I think he's just going to come in with bad intentions the entire fight because he knows that he was screwed out of winning the UFC light heavyweight title. I think he's going to prove to the world that he is the number one contender. I think he viciously knocks out Johnny Walker and sets up a huge fight with Jamal Hill, potentially for an interim UFC light heavyweight title mid to mid to late 2024. So they could unify the belts. Um, from UFC 295 at the end of 2024. So give me Ankalaev to move one step closer to a to a real title shot. But first things first, I think he, he wins this one, and I think it sets up a potential interim if the UFC needs it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Zan, his last – Johnny Walker's last wins, Anthony Smith, Paul Craig, Ian Kutilaba. You know, good wins, but I don't know if I can compare that to Ankalaev. Like you mentioned, Ankalaev's pissed. I think Johnny Walker and his unique kind of uh, awkward kind of style could mess Ankalaev up early on. I think Walker could rock him. But I think, like you mentioned, Ankalaev is just going to come out there, you know, so focused on the tile shot. I think Johnny Walker gets finished probably in a second round. I think so too, but I think the UFC... Uh, semi probably hoping Walker wins. He's probably hoping Walker wins to, to, to avoid the mess altogether. So, absolutely. Uh, also, a couple other fights here uh, as part of the main card. You got Ikram Aliskerov taking on Warley Alves. This feels like a setup fight for Ikram, does it not? Oh, absolutely it does. Ikram, so I mean, coming over, by the way, some information for those who don't know Ikram, came over from Brave uh, Combat Fighting, ends up, well, had a fight in Eagle FC before going to Dana White's Contender Series last year, gets a submission win, ends up fighting Phil Hawes at USC 288, and gets a knockout win in just over two minutes. And I like Worley, but, you know, Worley's been around a little while, I think this is, like you kind of mentioned, this is a setup fight to make Ikram, you know, another person to watch out for, especially in, in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I think Ikram first round TKO is more is more than likely how the fight's going to play out. Absolutely. And I think, Zan, similar things can be said at Bantamweight for the opening fights of our main card, as we got Sadner Magomedov taking on Muin Uh I Again, I think this is another setup fight for Nurmagomedov. Yeah, I think Nurmagomedov just wrestles him for 15 minutes and wins an easy unanimous decision. What do you What do you think? Uh, I think so, especially because Nurmagomedov's coming off a loss, and Sam, that loss was to Jonathan Martinez, who 
just put a beating on Adrian Yanez, so I don't think it's that bad of a loss. No, it certainly isn't, and given where Jonathan Martinez is right now, he is in for a huge 2024 if he stays on the track that he's currently on at the moment. For sure. So I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Nurmagomedov. Um, you know what? Uh, this is... I'm, I'm actually not sure what he would do. Because uh, submission and decisions are kind of, you know, even. Although he does have a couple of knockouts, too. So that's the thing about said Nurmagomedov. Is that, he, you know, you think Nurmagomedov, you think submission grappling specialist. Which he is. But he's shown some finishing power, as in you know knockouts as well. Yeah, I mean the only way I could see um, I could see Gavrov winning his fight is if he is is if he gets lucky and catches him with something. What do you what do you what, what do you think? Agreed. So I'll give Gavrov some credit. I'm gonna say this will end in the second round. I think it's gonna end in submission. Okay. Second round. Uh, uh, second round. It was a solid pick. I could either see that or a decision. I know I have not done this in a while, but my one best bet play to look out for for UFC 294 is Jemayev, um versus uh, Uzman. Uh, not to go, uh, not to go the distance. To have this fight be a finish inside the distance, either either way. I don't wait. I don't you see Jemayev versus Uz? I thought you said it was going to end in a decision. Oh. D- did I did, did did I say decision? Oh, yeah, I meant, you did. Oh, <laughs> well, I meant. I'm sorry. I meant in the. I meant in the main event. Makachev versus Volk over over uh, over three and a half rounds. That's my, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. My, I, I, that's that's going to be my best bet too. I think that is the bet. That one's going to go to distance. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also, oh, what I meant to say too is, um, Magomed Ankalaev inside inside the distance would be my would be my other one. Okay, okay, I get you. So I'm gonna say for my best bets, I'm gonna do the main event to go over three and a half rounds or goes the distance, and then co-main event Usman and Jamayev to also go to distance, or 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 a potential over one and a half rounds, right? That's yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, we've spent a lot of time talking. Actually, we have to put a programming note in. The prelims are gonna begin. At 10 a.m. Eastern. Remember, it's Abu Dhabi, so 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus. 12 noon. It's on one of the ESPN channels, but I don't know with college football. Um, and then 2 p.m. Eastern. Pay per view is going to start. That's exactly right. If we were to get us uh, right here right now, I would probably say it would be ESPN News. And I don't think there's been a news or two at this point. I don't. There's been an official provider because I just looked at my TV guide the other day and there was nothing listing it. So okay, but so it, that yeah. it, it could very well be an ESPN Plus exclusive for the entire preliminary card. You never, you never know. For sure. All right, it's been a long episode. Let's get out of here. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to catch us on social media at MMA Outsiders ETB on Facebook, X, and Instagram. And make sure to follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network at ETB Network, Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok. To my right over there is Zambando. As always, BJPen.com writer, MMA Knockout writer, uh, Bellator Rankings Committee member, and uh, joins the ETB cast on Football Fridays now, every Friday. So make sure to follow him and find his work 
on all those platforms. Follow him on social media at Zambano99. I'm Tom Albano. Find my work over at Fansided MMA. I'll probably put out a couple of pieces for UFC 294. Uh, I'm also working for the PFL on the website with the championships coming up next month. Make sure to follow my work there. Make sure to follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. Make sure to get MMA Outsiders on the road. Take us on the road with you. Find us on ACAST and other audio-only stream platforms. If you are listening to us on those platforms, make sure to come to our YouTube home, youtube.com slash ETB Network. All right. For Zan, I'm Tom. We'll see you next week for episode 58, hopefully with a little less madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We will see you next week for episode 58, 100%. And before we get out of here and tell you to enjoy the fights, be Pie for of course, and be sure to set your alarms because as again, just like we alluded to a couple of minutes ago, early start for you UFC 294. So make sure that that, that unless you set your alarm, you'll probably you'll probably miss it. So for sure. All right. Take care, everyone. Take care. Have a good one.